you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey there, everybody. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're still working out the kinks in our swing, but uh, that is what spring is for. It's me, your man, MJ Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. We got Randy at the controls. Uh, and I know, like, I. I know this time of year I tend to start talking more baseball because it's it's baseball season. We were sort of joking about uh, uh, Cody Bellinger and the fact that something has broken with him. Um, not sure what, but uh, you know it it is nice. You were you were mentioning that the Dodgers have the luxury of uh, waiting on a former MVP who can't quite figure it out. Something that most teams really can't do right now. Yeah, like normally if a MVP just fell off a cliff like Cody Bellinger, that team would struggle. But the Dodgers are just like, hey, we have three other MVPs on our team. You could just figure it out. Hit eighth for the meantime or something like that. Uh, I'm going next week, Marcus, uh, actually. Ooh. Dodgers Braves. Freddie nice. Freeman's Revenge. Yeah, it is. It, it's uh, it's the Freddie Freeman Revenge series. Um, or maybe it's the Ronald Acuna Revenge series on Freddie Freeman. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> apparently, they didn't get along. That was the stories that now seem to be coming out. I have no idea. Um, got plenty to talk about. We will talk some uh, fantasy wish list. Basically, we're going to go through some of the teams. Uh, I don't know if we'll get through all 32. I got it kind of planned for 16. But just kind of what we would like to see them draft. And maybe we have a specific player, but at least a position that we feel like they need to upgrade for fantasy purposes. Uh, full disclosure, we were hoping to get our pal Matt Okada on today. Uh, he, You finally may remember him from our, our streaming show a couple years ago as our fantasy nerd. He's also uh, a wide receiver. 
receiver whisperer of sorts. So I'd wanted to get him on uh, to talk today, but uh, he actually is on vacation. So one, Matt, uh, enjoy that. Hopefully next week we can have him on, but he also mentioned uh, he may be in line for jury duty next week. So if there's anybody listening to the show uh, who works for the L.A. County court system, who has any sway over that, if you could sort of kindly push Matt Okada's jury service back. Like, I don't want him to you know, shirk on his civic duty, but if you could push it back a few days just so he could get through a, a, a podcast appearance with us next week, that would be lovely. Um, have you ever had jury duty, by the way? I have. Um, I don't know how they do it out here in New York. Uh, when I had it, you had to call each night, mm-hmm. and I went all week. And Friday, I had to call, and they were like, "Yeah, you have to come in uh, and do this." So I had to go in on Friday, and then the next week, and I had to sit through a whole trial. But I was an alternate, and I wasn't needed. So at the end, when like the actual fun part of like getting to decide, mm-hmm. they were like, "All right, you can leave." So I sat there during a boring <laughs> trial for two days, and then at the fun part, they just sent me home. That that actually seems almost worse than my experience. I got uh, I got picked. This was in, when I lived in Fresno. I got uh, picked to be on a jury, and it was like a three and a half week trial uh, about Ponzi schemes. And this was like the days before Bernie Madoff. Like I didn't know at the time. This is how I learned what a Ponzi scheme was because I sat through this three, three and, and a half, half week trial. Weeks. Three and a half weeks of looking at, you know, allegedly forged checks. So it was just like looking at photocopies of signatures and and the defendant being asked, do you remember signing this? No, I do not. Do you remember signing this? No, I do not. Like this went on for three weeks. It was miserable. Uh, I'm did pretty you, sure at some point the judge. out of it? Uh, well, I think in the end, I think we found him guilty on like 11 of 13 counts of like fraud. Uh, pretty sure the judge nodded off at one point. That's how boring <laughs> and slow this was. Uh, that was miserable. Um, I did get called and didn't get picked for a jury in Los Angeles. And I'll say this. I know this is way more jury talk than I think anybody signed up for. I'm sorry. But uh, you've been in L.A. long enough to know, like, when you go to a restaurant and stuff, like, you know, you'll see pictures of celebrities on the wall, celebrities that maybe ate at that restaurant. Jury service is the same in Los Angeles. What? Like, you, you sit in the waiting room, at least the, the courthouse I was at. <laughs> I'm in the waiting room, and there's, like, Harrison Ford's picture, I think like Sharon Stone's picture, and like all these celebrities. <laughs> it should not be. These like celebrities who had jury service like at this particular courthouse. Their pictures were on the wall in the waiting room. It was wild. If, who which celebrity like if would be the most like if you sat in on jury duty one day and like someone famous sat down next to you, like which celebrity would blow your mind the most? I the the one that immediately came to mind um would be Tom Cruise, so I could just yell at him, you can't handle the truth. Like, I just feel like that would be, I would, which would probably get me out of jury service because at that point they would probably just kick me off and send me home. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's what I would do. You would think at imagine. that point when you're that famous, they would just be like, nah, you're a distraction, but I guess not. I guess not, right? I would think that there has to be like a level of celebrity that's just like, yeah, we, we can't bring you in. It's going to be a circus. Like, like, imagine Drake just, like, sitting down next to you, like, for jury <laughs> duty. <laughs> like, that would be so weird. Right. And, like, I mean, would you have to send your, like, do you have to have your entourage? you have to have security? Like, a, like I don't know how that works. Russell Why? Wilson could never do it because, as we saw at Radio Row, he always has, like, ten people around him. 
He's got so. 10 people around him, and he wants to shake literally everyone's hand. So, like, it would just take <laughs> forever to get uh, to get Russell. <laughs> to get Ru- I didn't plan for the show to go here, but uh, <laughs> but, but here we are. Uh, Mitch, we got plenty to talk about. We will talk about the fantasy wish list, uh, kind of go through those. If we get through all 32, great. Uh, I don't expect so, because otherwise it may get, like, a lengthy, uh, may get a little lengthier than, than we want it to be. Um, Let's start with some news, though, and uh, kind of a weird transition. But want to start with just the the really unfortunate, tragic piece of news that came out over the weekend. Uh, Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins, as you probably know by now, uh, was killed after being hit by a vehicle. Uh, he reportedly was trying to, uh, I think, cross a, a highway and was hit uh, by a truck uh, and is dead at the age of 24. Um, you know, uh, other than just to send out condolences to his wife, to his family, uh, to everyone that who knew him in and around the NFL and, and at Ohio State, uh, just just an incredibly tragic event uh, for a guy who you know we have you know, we've kind of watched his career over this short period of time. Um, still, he's no longer here, and uh, you know, just just condolences out to everybody that uh, that knew and loved Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, and the, and the whole Pittsburgh organization as well. They were. They were, t- I mean, obviously they took it very, very hard. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, it's always, always sort of weird to start that way, but uh, definitely worth, worth mentioning at least uh, for a guy who seemed to have a really bright future and uh, unfortunately just, just will not have that opportunity. Um, more to the football side of things, the Baltimore Ravens, at least as of this moment, are engaging in talks with Melvin Gordon. Now, this has been going on for a few days, so uh, there's a chance that by the time you hear this podcast, maybe they have come to an agreement, maybe they have moved on. But at least at the moment, the two sides are talking. Uh, Gordon, arguably the top free agent running back still available, and a guy that we've sort of been keeping an eye on because where he lands will have some major fantasy impact. So let's let's just start in Baltimore, right? Let's, let's assume he does sign with the Ravens. He joins that backfield they have not been shy in recent years about using multiple running backs they're also expecting jk dobbins back after he missed all all last season with an injury i know people sort of like jk dobbins i know people thought last year would be a chance for him to have a breakout season if melvin gordon does show up in baltimore how much does this put a damper on any potential jk dobbins breakouts a good amount i think look melvin gordon is a He's still a very good running back. I I think he's a better running back than he gets credit for because we're always waiting for the running back behind Melvin Gordon. It was Austin Eckler, then Javante Williams. But the reason those guys split work with Gordon is because Gordon's good and teams like Melvin Gordon. So the Ravens, like you said, they've always used two running backs. And there's still Gus Edwards there as well, who they paid last season. So we could see three running backs involved. We know Lamar Jackson's going to run a good amount. And the thing that worries me for Dobbins is uh, Gordon is, is I think, better at two things. Like, I think Dobbins is more explosive, but Gordon is a good pass catching back. And and he has shown that in his NFL career. And he has such a, a nose for the goal line. And, and I know we could say, well, J.K. Dobbins is huge as well. But like teams have always shown that if they're going to trust Melvin Gordon near the goal line. So what I think this does for fantasy is I think it makes both of them kind of low end RB twos. Like they each have the upside to have an RB one week here or there, but I think it'll be inconsistent just week to week. I think that's, that's sort of the concern. I know last year uh, I had been targeting early in the season, obviously targeting Gus Edwards. Cause I felt like he and Dobbins were going to split time. Sort of what you said. 
I just liked Edwards because of what the draft price was for him. And so that was sort of why I leaned this way. Unfortunately, neither guy ended up you know, playing at all last year because of injuries. But I think we're going to find ourselves in a similar situation where we know that some combination of those, those three running backs is going to see some work. Now, of course, obviously, let me reiterate, this is on the hypothetical, on the, the idea that Gordon does actually sign in Baltimore, which as of this moment, he hasn't. Um, but it, it, I think it will boil down to who are you spending the least draft capital on uh, because it feels like the opportunities may be spread pretty evenly between whoever is going to be in that backfield. Now, if Gordon does leave, that leaves Javante Williams as the guy there in Denver. I know we've sort of talked about this before. I mean, we all love Javante Williams. You, me, you know, you, me, your mama and your cousin too. Me and you and your mama and your cousin too. I got to get my outcast lyrics straight. Um, if, if Melvin Gordon does not come back, is Javante Williams a top five pick? Uh, I think borderline. Um, I, I know other people might be a little bit more like, yes, yeah. I, I think, look, what I keep saying about Javante, if Melvin Gordon leaves, I think, I don't even think he's just got top five upside. I think he is the overall RB1 upside, and he would be my pick to be this year's Jonathan Taylor. Like someone who goes in the second half of the first round who could just run away and be like the number one overall pick next year. I think he's that talented and in an offense now that uh, puts a lot of talent around him and puts him in a position where teams are going to really have to choose, like, do we want to try to stop Javante or all these pa- uh, all the weapons in the passing game? For me, though, like my top two running backs are still Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. I have CMC and Derrick Henry in that tier as well. Like Those are my top four picks. But then I think after that, there's a tier where Javante could easily lead it. I think it's like Williams... Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. Those are like the fallback, like RB1s, I think. But if you want to put Javante at five, or even if you want to put him ahead of the guys who were hurt last year, you won't really get much of an argument from me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, as I'm looking at this, I, I think Jonathan Taylor, I think Derrick Henry, I uh, probably put Eckler as my third running back right now. Probably. See, that's, I'm with you. That's when we start to get into this gray area. I think Dalvin Cook, for me, probably goes four. Joe Mixon at five. Uh, maybe Najee at six. Um, but then you get to a point where, where Javante, if he is the guy, if, if he's really the only back uh, of note in Denver, I think that's when you start maybe thinking about him at that point. Uh, all right, so then this question. Like, and I'm, I'm just sort of looking and, and spitballing here. Let's say you're sitting at six. Uh, Javante Williams is still on the board. Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams is still on the board. Uh, which direction would you go? I As of right now, because I just joined uh, the other day, I joined a couple of best ball drafts just to get a feel for how things are going. And I think right now, heading into next season, my strategy is going to be completely different. So I think I would go with the wide receiver because my thinking is those elite receivers are – most receivers are inconsistent week to week, but they have some really big weeks. But those elite guys are – so consistent every week plus they have those big games so I like getting one of those elite receivers and then you could get like running backs like right now at least like Leonard Fournette and James Conner are going as RB2s like in like the third and fourth round like so I'll gladly get some receivers early on um but it all depends on how the board looks like come you know August when we're doing drafts for real but as of right now I would go with the receiver I'm very curious you know if if Gordon does sign in Baltimore uh, I'm curious as to how much Javante's ADP shoots up. Um, right now, 
on Fantasy Football Calculator, he is the 11th or 12th pick, depending on, on how you want to look at it. So he's very tail end uh, of the first round. I'm curious to see if that shoots up to maybe mid-first round uh, if, if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back to Denver next year. Um, we know Brandon Cooks apparently is coming back to Houston next year. He signed a two-year extension. Uh, by the way, I know he's not the only guy who has signed an extension. Derek Carr, in fact, just signed one uh, earlier on on Wednesday. Um, I mean, I don't know if the fantasy impact really changes that much. We sort of know what the Raiders kind of are. But Brandon Cooks, I thought, was interesting because, one, why, why do we always underrate him? I mean, this is a guy that puts up 1,000 yards year after year. Uh, it doesn't even matter where he goes. It doesn't even matter who his quarterback is, it seems. He always seems to put up 1,000 yards and be a quality, productive receiver. Uh, and people just kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's, nobody gets excited about Brandon Cooks. Why? Why can't we get excited about Brandon Cooks? I think there's always a reason to be, like, a little skeptical. Like, initially, it was the concussions, which luckily has not been an issue for him in recent seasons. And then... It's always, oh, he's a new player on a new team. Like, he's not going to have a 1,000 yards his first year. Then he proves us wrong. And now with the, the Texans, it's like, he's all they got, and, and it's not really exciting. And last year it was like, we don't really know who's throwing him the ball. So I think there's always a reason. Uh, and are we going to do it again this year? Yes. Like, <laughs> we're, we're 100% doing it again this year. Because there's wide receivers that I think you look at them and you're like, this guy, like, DK Metcalf came to mind as one that's like it wouldn't surprise me if Brandon Cooks outperforms DK this year but you're going to look at DK and probably be like this guy has wide receiver one upside whereas Brandon Cooks is more like a safe wide receiver two um, I, I just think it's easier to fall in love with some of the excitement that is the other receivers so they'll get pushed ahead of Cooks and then Cooks will end up just being a good value who was one Marcus, that last year I was kicking myself in the, about not having enough cooks. I know you were all over him last year. Yeah, I was. Uh, I will say that I I sort of followed Adam Rank's lead on that one. Like I think I think because just listening to him talk about Brandon Cooks over and over again, uh, sort of planted the seed in my head. So I did. I jumped on the bandwagon, and it was it was fun. Look, six of the last seven years, Brandon Cooks has given you a thousand yards and six or more touchdowns. Right? And okay, I get it. That's not necessarily you know, wide receiver one numbers. It's not elite type numbers, but just the, the consistency uh, that he gives you week after week, year after year. Again, regardless of who the quarterback was, right? They went through a pretty terrible list of quarterbacks last year in Houston, uh, and he still gave you over a thousand yards. I mean, that's with you know Tyrod being there. That's with Davis Mills playing. You know what? Let me not, let me stop right here, by the way, and not completely dump on Davis Mills. Um, I know Lovey Smith says he's expecting big improvement, that he's a believer in Davis Mills. Uh, I think you can, you can make the argument that after Mac Jones, Davis Mills might have been the second-best rookie quarterback uh, in the NFL last year. I mean, that's not, I don't feel like that's a crazy statement. No, I, but is that more of a statement about the other quarterbacks or maybe, Davis Mills? Maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe yes. That's more of uh, you know, kind of talking about what what guys like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson didn't do, uh, as opposed to what you know Mac Jones and Davis Mills might have done. But uh, whatever, it stands. <laughs> He's still the second best rookie quarterback yeah. uh, in twenty twenty one. Um, all right. So this isn't fantasy related, but it's fun. 
Uh, Jalen Waddle says he's getting ready. He's preparing to race Tyreek Hill. I don't know if they've actually set a date and time. I don't know if there's a pay-per-view for this. But Jalen Waddle is saying he wants to race Tyreek Hill. So I went to a tale of the tape. Uh, Jalen Waddle, 23 years old, uh, had a 4.3740. Last season, his top speed in any game on any one play, 21.8 miles per hour. Uh, Tyreek Hill, 28 years old, uh, ran a 4.2940. His top speed in 2021, 21.42 miles per hour. So uh, about a you know less than half a mile an hour difference uh, between the two on their top speed. So with that in front of you, who you got? Look, youth is on Waddle's side, but I'm going with a man named Cheetah until I see someone... <laughs> top him because I, I get it the top speed was in favor of waddle last year but maybe i'm just scarred like the play where where matt milano had the edge and who's a good athletic tight end and tyreek hill with with the defender in front of him threw up the peace on because he knew i'm so fast no one <laughs> on this field could touch me right now like i'm scarred from that i i, I have to pick tyreek hill until i see otherwise as long as he actually runs, like remember at the Pro Bowl, he jogged, and right. I was very disappointed with him that day. I would think if he's racing a teammate, like he's going to run, right? Because you don't want you don't want to hear about it, especially if you're not giving your full effort. Uh, you really don't yeah. want to hear about it. So I think he he puts all out effort in it. Uh, I will say this: I mean, Jalen Waddle, great, really fast. Does a penguin dance? Cheetahs are faster than penguins. I mean, unless unless we're running this on ice. Uh, I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think. Tyreek Hill still has something to prove in terms of you know people always trying to take him down. Uh, I think. I think he comes back and wins. Let's get. Let's get Raheem Mostert running in this as it's well. True. Who I I believe is still like has the fastest fastest top speed in like the last three seasons. Who knows if he still has it after the injuries? Right. But let's get him in there too. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm totally down. We can make it a three man race. Uh, I mean, Raheem Mostert ran a. Oh, a four three forty four three two, I believe, uh, was his his uh, his forty time at the combine. That was back in 2015. But I'm down for that. I am absolutely down to get him in it and make it a, a three way race. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Happy birthday, Melvin Gordon. We were talking about Melvin Gordon and where he may land. Uh, today is his 29th birthday, so he's still he, perfect still, day to get paid, right? He's also still uh, you know one year away from being running back washed. You know, apparently that's the. <laughs> That's the thing. You get to 30, it's all over. So he still has one more year before he's washed, allegedly. Um, all right. So I wanted to start kind of diving into some of these uh, these teams and, and putting together kind of a fantasy wish list. And I, I, I thought about this more in terms of, for again, our selfish fantasy football purposes. What position or positions do we feel like some of these teams need to focus on? In order to, for us to kind of feel like, all right, this is attractive enough. Like, I want, you know, this is where they're deficient. This is maybe somebody that we would want on this team. Uh, again, if you've got a player in mind, awesome. If not, just a kind of position group, we can sort of kick it around. And then as we get closer, I mean, there's still two weeks until the draft. Uh, you know, maybe we start putting some faces and names to some of these spots. But I wanted to start. Oh, by the way, I put together the list in order. Uh, kind of a record and tiebreaker. So the order that teams would draft if teams hadn't made trades, 
we'll probably list a couple of teams that don't have first round picks because they traded them away or what have you. But this is this is what the order would be just based on on 2021 records and that sort of thing. So we'll start with the Jaguars, who are back in the top spot for uh, the second straight year. I mean, they went through a major coaching change. Uh, obviously, the Urban Meyer thing did not work out, to say the least. Uh, they hope they have a franchise quarterback. They look like they have some running backs, but is there an offensive position, a skill position that you feel like they need to draft that that you feel like you would you need to feel better about that position group? Uh, my first thought, it, it's not a skill position. My my thought was offensive line mm-hmm. because I I like what the I, look. I know a lot of people were poking fun at the Jags all you know when they were signing Christian Kirk and stuff, but I think they have pretty good receiver depth if there was a skill position spot though it would be wide receiver i would say but i, I like the receiving depth that they built i like their running backs if, if those guys are anywhere close to healthy i even like the tight end with evan ingram and dan arnold there i think you got some pass catchers so i would want to see an o, like o-line get built up there uh just to keep trevor lawrence upright and, and be kind of the final stamp. maybe you take neil or if you like someone more than him but I know they they added a little bit to their O line, but I think you get another big piece in front of Trevor Lawrence, and there's no you know you don't have to worry about pressure as much anymore. You have upgraded weapons, so there would really be no excuse this year. After having every excuse last year, there would be none this year for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I would I would think so. Uh, I would love to see them get another wide receiver. I am grudgingly accepting that maybe the Lavisca Chenault thing may not work out. Uh, at least if it. If it does work out, it probably won't be in Jacksonville. Um, I feel like that that maybe has sailed. So uh, even with adding Christian Kirk, even with having Marvin Jones there, I still would like to see them add one more piece uh, to that to that puzzle a little bit. But I do think the offensive line thing is very valid because um, you know we have seen it. Look, we I always go back to Andrew Luck and the Colts not protecting him for all those years, leading to an early retirement. I look at the Bengals. Even um, yes, they did get to the Super Bowl, but uh, Joe Burrow took hits. He took hits in that playoff game against Tennessee. He took hits in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Uh, I think I think if you're Cincinnati, you've got to focus on the offensive line. And I think if you're Jacksonville, you got to really feel like we've got to do everything we can to protect Trevor Lawrence uh, and, and make him that guy. Um, Detroit sitting at number two right now. Uh, I don't know. I feel like for the Lions, it's got to be quarterback. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, but you know Jared Goff is – He's fine. He's serviceable. I think for a team that's rebuilding, that, that doesn't have any expectations of making the playoffs or making a deep run toward the Super Bowl, um, Goff is, is just fine. But if this team really has designs on challenging in the NFC North and beyond, uh, they got to draft a quarterback and they got to do it soon. I, I agree. The only reason I'm a little bit hesitant if they actually will is because they have two firsts and a bunch of cap next year. So maybe they're thinking like one more year with golf and then we look to the future. But this is a wish list, right? I'm hoping <laughs> at number two, we hear Mal- Malik Willis's name, who I believe is the quarterback one this year. I think he's got the highest upside. And in a year where everyone is saying like, this is a bad quarterback class. Why take someone that's like a safe floor type of guy? Go go for the home run swing. And Malik Willis is the prototypical modern-day quarterback. He can run like Lamar or Jalen Hurts. He has an absolute cannon. Does he, does he have flaws in his game? Yeah, like he's typically a one-read quarterback, and his accuracy can, can be a little touch-and-go at times. But you put him in the right system, you build him up. There, there's a ton of upside here. I, I think 
he would be a lot of fun on this Detroit team. And I would love to see him go second overall because then then we're just getting him this year. Like, you're not going to take him second and make him sit all year for Jared Goff, I don't think. Daniel Jeremiah had an interesting tweet, uh, I believe it was this morning, um, sort of talking about, you talk about the, the quarterbacks and, and people not feeling like this is a great quarterback class. Um, and, and look, DJ wasn't trying to you know pump up any particular quarterback or, or you know say that this guy should go somewhere but he made the point that if you are a team and you need a quarterback and you're just kind of looking around and you have some grades between different positions that are close the appeal of having a potential franchise changing quarterback on your roster under team control for up to five years at a reasonable you know relatively team friendly salary is going to be very attractive. And that's the reason you're going to see some quarterbacks maybe go earlier than people believe, uh, that maybe teams try to force them into situations that, that they may not be ready for. Because, um, you know, it, it's in baseball terms, it's swing hard in case you hit it, right? Like if, if you somehow land one of these guys and it does turn out to be great, nobody is going to remember that you, quote unquote, reached for somebody at number two. You'll just remember, hey, man, the Lions went out and got Malik Willis, and that worked out pretty well. So, um, you know, we'll see if they do it. I know that the talk is probably it's going to be a lot of defensive ends in real life, but we're not talking about real life here. We're talking about our own thing. <laughs> um, the Texans uh, would be on the board third. Uh, they've got a lot to work on. Yes, they have Brandon Cooks. Yes, Lovey Smith likes, likes Davis Mills. Um, there's not a whole lot beyond there to like. I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of places the Texans can go, but if you were going to like set a priority list, where would it start? <laughs> I would. I, I know this isn't what's going to happen at pick three. Maybe the Texans trade back or something like that, but Brees Hall to Houston would be a lot of fun. Um, look, this is a team, like you said, I could have said a receiver. I could have said quarterback. I could have said running back, and and it would have fit. Uh, I don't think they go quarterback because, like the Lions, they have a lot of cap and multiple draft picks next year. I think they go one year with Davis Mills to see what he is. But you look at their running back position here. like It's Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, and Dare Ogombawale sitting along the, the top of their depth chart. So you bring in Brees Hall there, and he could easily get 250 carries and a bunch of targets there. So I just think... You put him on that that team with that opportunity up for grabs, and and you have a potential RB one on your hands. I think you know, and I think it's it's possible, right? Because Brees Hall is not going in the first round. Uh, he's certainly not going number three overall. We know that those days for running backs are probably gone, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, that is where I think Houston is maybe the most deficient. You look at what they've run out there the last few years, uh, you know, trying to resurrect David Johnson after you know trading away DeAndre Hopkins, uh, bringing in Mark Ingram, who uh, I should check because I know for a long time, even after he left for a good six or eight weeks, he was still Houston's leading rusher. I want to say that he did not finish the season uh, as their leading rusher. Let me just confirm that. Uh, no. It's uh, Rex okay. Burkhead. I was gonna say, I hope not. Rex Rex Burkhead <laughs> ended up ended up passing him. Uh, Rex only finished with 427 yards, by the way, on the ground, and that was good enough to lead the Texans. Um, but you know, and then you mentioned Burkhead, Marlon Mack. Uh, you know, the guys that they had, they had in Philip Lindsay for a little while. Uh, it really has been a grab bag that that they've tried to use to fill that position. So, uh, yeah, Brees Hall, a Kenneth Walker, um, would kind of be interesting just to inject some life and knowing that. You don't have to spend first-round draft capital to get these guys in because that's just not how the NFL works anymore. Um, that gets us to the Jetropolitans. 
they would be at number four. Uh, they feel like they got a quarterback in Zach Wilson, so I don't see them going there. Um, I feel like they, they believe and they've got a, a running back in Michael Carter, so I don't see them going there. Uh, I, I feel like wide receiver would be the spot. I had seen uh, some people maybe talk about Drake London. I don't think he's going to go that high, but just in terms of having a big-bodied receiver who could be a nice red zone target, I think he would be a nice fit. Um, I just I think that if you're the Jets, who, by the way, have punted on the tight end position my entire life at least, uh, probably even longer, if you can name me a productive Jets tight end, I will – give you something off my desk here. I don't know. I got an old envelope. <laughs> um, but if, if we're talking about this, I would love to see the Jets get some wide receiver help to try to help Zach Wilson. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I was thinking Drake London, like you said, maybe not at four overall, but they have a pick at 10 as well. And my thinking was you already have Elijah Moore, who's like an explosive slot receiver. Why don't you get Drake London, who reminds me a lot of Mike Evans, and make your own kind of version of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? They're not saying that it would be as good as the Bucks guys, but you're on to something similar there. And to give another one of your, because I know Drake London is, is your guy, another one of your guys some credit. Matt Harmon this week posted a reception perception about Drake London, and the narrative went from like he can't separate to like, well, Matt Harmon says he could separate, so that is not a concern anymore at all. I was like, that is awesome that he has that much influence on the uh, on receivers. I am totally going to like, I'm going to hit him up on text as soon as we're done here and tell him that he has shifted the narrative on Drake London simply by putting out a reception perception. Although. Look, if you listened to our show last week with Emory Hunt, he made the point. You know, people say that, that Drake London can't separate. He's like, go back and watch. London might have been open five minutes before they threw the football. <laughs> and just by the time it got there, it looked like he hadn't separated. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe people are starting to feel differently about Drake London. Either way, I still think he's, he's very much in the running regardless to be the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, and I think the Jets could potentially be a, a good spot for him. Um we got plenty more to talk about. We'll get through at least another handful of teams before this thing gets too long and, and you all tune us out and you know get to wherever you're going in your car. So stick around for more of our fantasy wish list on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have... Hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. 
I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Uh, all right, so back to where would be number five, and that would be the New York football Giants. Uh, I don't really know where to start with the Giants here because they've Daniel Jones is you know, right at the end of this rookie deal. They're very unsold on him. Uh, I've seen talk that maybe they trade Saquon Barkley, which means starting over in that backfield. Uh, their wide receivers are fine I guess you know I mean I know they believe in Kadarius Tony um you know Sterling Shepard is you know it's kind of a nice there's there's nothing really there Kenny Galladay hopefully can't be as bad as he was last year I don't even the, the Giants need a little bit of everything right now I don't even know where what is the most important spot for them at this point yeah, right. Like they, you, you could say they need a receiver, but do they need one bad enough where they would take one in the first? I, I don't think so. I think for offensive positions, like tight end is, is a big weakness for them right now. Ricky Seals Jones is their starter, but you're not going to take a tight end early on. Every mock has them taking defensive players, which I get. I, I think, though, if you grab an offensive player, 
grab an offensive lineman because I think the weapons around Daniel Jones are, are solid enough. Maybe you grab a receiver, uh, but you already have Tony and Galladay, like you said. Um, I, I think get an offensive lineman, shore up that old line, and then be like, because this is a prove-it year for Daniel Jones. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he has to stay healthy and he has to stay upright for him to have any chance of success in this system. So I, I think that's the way I would go. But yeah, the Giants are one of those teams where like they have two picks in the top 10 and I'm like, Maybe trade one of them to get even more picks because you have that many holes. You have so many needs right now. Um, Yeah, I think offensive line might be the way to go. And I would say this, that the division, and I don't get it twisted here. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Giants are a player or two away from winning the NFC East. But I also feel like that division is as unsettled as maybe any i mean the the cowboys at least on paper are the best team in the nfc east but um look man you i don't think you can lose a guy like amari cooper and not have it impact you right i mean ezekiel elliott's not the same guy that he was uh, a few years ago that offensive line is not the same as it was a few years ago um so the, the the Cowboys might still be the best team in the division, but I think that gap is shrinking. I think the Eagles may potentially be getting better. Uh, I think Washington, you know, if they can get the right pieces, if Carson Wentz can be serviceable, uh, they can be competitive in that division. So I think if you're the Giants, maybe you do go offensive line and you start to kind of build that, realizing that, you know, it's not like, it's not like the leader is is running away from you. The leader might be coming back to the pack, so maybe you have time to kind of build something uh, in that division a little bit. Um, next up, Carolina Panthers sitting at six. I don't know if they really believe Sam Darnold is the guy or if that's Matt Rule trying to be diplomatic when he talks out loud. Um it seems as though Carolina might potentially be in the market for a quarterback. I feel like they've got their running back. I feel like they've got some okay wide receivers. Uh, I don't know. I still think I still think quarterback's the move for them. They've got to go out and find, and I don't know who else is left. If, if Malik Willis isn't the guy, I don't know if it's Desmond Ritter. Uh, I don't believe it's going to be Kenny Pickett, but I, I think they've got to find somebody to at least compete with Sam Darnold for that starting quarterback gig. Yeah, I, I think that's where they're going to go at pick six. I, I think they take a quarterback. I would go Malik Willis, uh, and I think they're a great spot to be the first quarterback off the board, too, unless the Lions end up surprising or someone makes a trade. But there, there's been smoke about it being Kenny Pickett there, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, the way they go. Man, that sounds like one of the least exciting quarterback battles ever, Kenny Pickett <laughs> versus Sam Darnold, like, and, and the real loser in that situation is DJ Moore. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, he feels like he's destined to be another one of those guys who's who's a really talented player who doesn't get the best out of quarterback play, right? I mean, he gets kind of late career Cam Newton. Um, he gets Sam Darnold. Uh, it's not a great situation. I'd like to just get DJ Moore and Allen Robinson together for like a couple of drinks and just hear them talk (laughs) about their quarterback. Just just be a fly (laughs) on the wall and just listen to them like get drunk and complain about quarterback play. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be down for that. I would I would watch I'd watch that reality show to to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, All right. So next up would be the Bears. They would technically be at seven. But as you mentioned, the Giants have two picks. Uh, That is one of them. Um, But let's let's look at the Bears right now, because. They seem to have their quarterback in uh, in Justin Fields. 
David Montgomery has proven that he can be a quality uh, running back. They seem to like Darnell Mooney. Um, but is he enough? Is there do they is wide receiver the spot they go? Is there somewhere else you feel like they can they can boost themselves offensively? I think they absolutely need a wide receiver. Like I, I like Montgomery and Herbert is a really good backup. Uh, I like Cole Komet as your starting tight end, and I'm getting excited about him for fantasy. And but you look at their receiver depth chart outside of Darnell Mooney, the next guys up are Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown. Like no offense to those guys. You're not a wide receiver too at the end. Not at least if you want Justin Fields to take that next step. So uh, I would definitely go wide receiver. I know they don't have a first round pick. So I think maybe like best case scenario, you're hoping like a, a Christian Watson falls or something like that. But it uh, you might not get your your pick of the litter there if you're the Bears. But I think you 100% need to put more talent around Justin Fields. Yeah, you absolutely do. You're right. I don't I don't know if Christian Watson sticks around. I've I've seen him kind of mocked. Uh, in the first round, but I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe a Sky Moore falls in your lap. Maybe a George Pickens uh, out of Georgia potentially falls in your lap. But but they've got to do something if they think that that Fields is the guy. And we've seen this in other places, right? Like the the Jaguars going out of their way to add speed. You know, who knows if Christian Kirk works out? But they're at least making the effort to put weapons around uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, the the Bengals went out and immediately drafted Jamar Chase to help out Joe Burrow. Uh, and obviously that helped them get to the Super Bowl. So I think the Bears probably need to look at doing something similar. Uh, coming up at eight, it's the Atlanta Falcons. And we talked about them recently. Not not that long ago, this team had Matt Ryan at quarterback. Uh, it's two wide receivers were Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. None of those guys are there anymore. Uh, as of now, Marcus Mariota is your starting quarterback. Uh, Cordero Patterson is back at running back. Uh, you got Kyle Pitts. Uh, this is another team that that has a lot of places I think they can go and try to make a move offensively. Yeah, and I, I think you could say quarterback is a spot they clearly need to upgrade, but I think even more so, like, you need a, a wide receiver. It's just Kyle Pitts, and that's it. Like, they even lost Russell Gage. Like, it, it is bad. So, at pick eight, they very well may have every – wide receivers still on the board at that point so they'll have their choice um whichever like like wilson would be a good fit there olave uh i I think london too like if the jets don't grab him like having two big-bodied players in london and Pitts, i i think you could pair them up nicely it's basically whichever receiver they like most they should probably draft so i uh was lucky enough to to drop in and and do a little guest hit on mock draft live earlier this week on NFL network. And, uh, in the latest Lance Zerline mock, he actually has them taking Garrett Wilson, uh, at number eight. I like, it's funny. It was a move. I said, I like it for the Falcons. I don't love it for fantasy just because Marcus Mariota doesn't really get me super fired up. Like I don't, necessarily love pieces of a Marcus Mariota offense because he tends to kind of be more of a conservative guy in the pocket a lot of a lot of shorter throws a lot of check downs Um, I think Wilson is a talented guy who can succeed after the catch but I also don't want to live that way where I need a lot of those yak yards uh, in order to put up a decent fantasy number so I think I think if he goes there and I I do think the Falcons take a wide receiver because they need that help I think if he goes there I think it's a much better pick for the Falcons, at least in the short term, uh, than it is for fantasy. Maybe down the road, because I do see Atlanta making some moves. I don't. Marcus Mariota is not the quarterback of the future for Atlanta. He is a seat filler until they figure out something else. So I think that's a that's a move 
whoever the wide receiver is for me, it's a move that has longer term dividends than I think it does in the short term, provided they stick with Mariota at quarterback, which I think they for, probably will. For fantasy with the Falcons, it might be Kyle Pitts or bust this year. Like <laughs> if you don't get Pitts, you might just want to be like, I do not want any part of that offense. I'm kind of out, right? Uh, you know, Cordero Patterson, no, nobody expects Cordero Patterson to repeat what he did last year. Uh, I think the ADP sort of reflects that. And yeah, the rest of those wide receivers are not not very exciting. Um, <clears throat> who would be next would be the Denver Broncos at nine. They don't have that pick. Instead, it belongs uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that was in the Russell Wilson trade, actually, that uh, the Seahawks ended up getting that pick. So uh, Denver at nine, though, uh, we know they got a quarterback. We've talked about their running back. This is a team that actually maybe doesn't need it. Maybe you 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 bolster that offensive line because I feel skill position wise, you're pretty much ready to go. I mean, they still believe Albert. Oh, we haven't really we haven't seen enough from him to say that he's not going to work out. Uh, we know their wide receivers are good. We know their running back is good. The quarterback's fine. I, I can't see anywhere else to go but offensive line with this team. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, especially because Wilson always played behind a poor O-line in Seattle. And I I know, I I believe the Broncos are ranked like middle of the pack in offensive line, but maybe we get a little upgrade there, get Russell a little bit of time. Uh, That would be fun to see for like the first time in his career. So I think that would be, if you're going offense, I think it's obviously the offensive line for them. Yeah, that just seems pretty easy because, but... Because this is the team we we were saying that they seemed like they were a quarterback away from really doing something, so they got that quarterback. So uh, I think that's where we go. All right, uh, at number ten would have been the Seahawks. Instead, it's the Jets. Seahawks going at nine. I know it's a whole confusing thing. Basically, what I'm saying is we're going to talk about the Seahawks right now. Uh, I feel like I feel like the answer is quarterback. I don't know where else to start with. I know they're they're trying to put a happy face on this whole Drew Lock thing. I don't know what you know is being said behind the scenes, but I I can't think if you're the Seahawks, you don't want to at least look at a quarterback option this year. I, I know this is like the third time I'm saying his name. If Malik Willis makes it to nine <laughs> to, to Seattle, they I think they it would be a mistake for them to pass on him. But we did uh, this morning. I saw on Twitter that Ritter is going to meet them, and he is the first quarterback they are meeting with apparently in this draft season. Which to me is like you guys aren't doing your due diligence. Um, but it, maybe that's a little bit of a lean as to who they like. But I think it clearly has to be quarterback unless you're you're planning on trading Lockett or DK. Then maybe you go receiver and just kind of reset that rookie clock with your receivers. But I believe Seattle is another one of those teams that has multiple firsts next year. So they could choose to just kick the quarterback hand down the road. I mean, I'm just throwing this out here, right? Uh, once upon a time, the Seahawks went out and spent a lot of money on a guy named Matt Flynn that everybody thought was going to be the starter. Uh, and then he gets beat out by some rookie from Wisconsin named Russell Wilson. The rest is sort of history. So uh, I know that Drew Locke is not commanding the kind of contract that, uh, that Matt Flynn did at the time. Uh, but maybe they draft a rookie. Maybe he beats out Drew Locke in, uh, in training camp and ends up being the starter in week one. Wouldn't be the first is, time something like that happened with Pete Is Carroll. Matt Flynn the last quarterback to get paid like huge off of like one big game? I probably I think teams have kind of learned from that mistake. You would think, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else who might have gotten the bag off of just like one really huge game. 
and uh, I can't really think of anybody. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully teams have learned better from that. But, but who knows? <laughs> uh, all right. Next up at the 11 spots would be the Washington Commanders. Uh, it's going to take me a while to get used to that. That and the Cleveland Guardians. Like, I've been watching Cleveland baseball, and it's still weird for me to call them the Guardians. So, I'm, it's going to take, yeah. take me some time <laughs> to get used to both of those. But uh, the Commanders might be another one uh, where I think offensive line is, is probably the way to go. If they want, they want to get some help at tackle, uh, you know, they went out and made an investment in Carson Wentz. Maybe he's not the guy, but he's at least the guy for right now. Um, but I think in a lot of the other spots, maybe you can look at a wide receiver, but I would say that, that they need some help up front just to make sure they can protect Carson Wentz and then they can kind of figure out how to fill in the pieces around him. Yeah, you. my two thinkings were either offensive line or receiver. Uh, I, I like Curtis Samuel, but I, I think if you get another maybe field stretcher opposite of Terry McLaurin, it could kind of open up. But my fear is that they're just going to take another running back because apparently they're <laughs> meeting with every running back this class after paying JD McKissick because they hate Antonio Gibson. It would be it would be very commanders of Washington uh, to take a running back in the first round. Like I I don't think even they're that dysfunctional that they would take a running back at eleven. But if anybody was going to do it, not. if anybody was going to do it. I wouldn't put it past Washington to take a running back that high and then just get roasted by uh, by Twitter for for weeks on end. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think if you're if you're smart, you're looking at the offensive line or you're looking at adding another wide receiver uh, just to help out Terry McLaurin uh, on the other side. Uh, so that gets us to the Vikings at twelve. Um, I don't know. I I know it's sounding repetitive. But I think that's another team that, that could use some, some help along the offensive line. They've committed to Kirk Cousins. They've got Justin Jefferson. Uh, do we believe that they need to start looking at replacing Adam Thielen? I feel like that might be a little soon, but, but maybe. I don't know. I, I think they're going to go defense in the draft. But if, if they do go offense early, I, I think O-line is the way. But I... I was going to mention maybe you grab us another receiver. Like KJ Osborne is a solid wide receiver three. Adam Thielen is kind of getting to the end of his rope. And what I think smart teams do is they don't wait for that fall off. They get the replacement a year or two earlier. So you don't really miss a beat. And I mean, if, if you hit right with that wide receiver, you could put Thielen in the slot full time and have Jefferson and someone else. And like, that's a really scary trio. So, so it's either receiver or offensive line for me, but I think they're going to try to shore up their defense a lot in the draft. That's probably what's going to happen. That has been the biggest fall off on that roster. Uh, I mean, they have a, a relatively young uh, offensive line group, and I don't know if they're willing to, to make a whole lot of changes. But, you know, a guy like Charles Cross uh, could be out there potentially uh, to draft at the tackle spot. I don't know if he falls quite that far, but if he does, you know, maybe that's something they look at there. Um it's funny as we're talking about this, I'm realizing the number of teams that, that seem to have a lot of skill positions kind of locked up. Um, the Browns, maybe another one of those teams. I mean, we know they have their quarterback. They have their, their running backs. I do feel like there's a, there's a need, though, at wide receiver with this team. That if, they're, if they're going to find some help, they're a team that probably should target some wide receivers in this draft. And maybe not in the first round. Um, but, but there are guys second round, third round that I think will be available because that, that is definitely a place I think of need for this offense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's cause Amari Cooper is a good one, uh, for real life purposes, but 
Donovan Peoples-Jones is more of just like a flanker, field stretcher type. Jakeem Grant is your current slot receiver right now. So I do agree. I don't know if you have to do it in the first. Maybe you get the second or third and get it to a little bit of depth in this class because there is a lot of depth. But if you do go in the first, like I was thinking like like Burks makes sense there as a big slot receiver or you could go Olave as like an, another field stretching option who could line up in the slot a little bit. So I, I think the Browns have options for sure at the receiver position. Yeah, I should actually mention that the Browns don't have a first round pick. Um, that Oh, yeah. That, that goes to the Texans. Um, so, yeah, they are not on the clock until, wow, 44. But I would definitely think there, there will be wide receivers available. Uh, at 44 for uh, for Cleveland. Uh, all right, 14, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, we'll see whether or not they sign Melvin Gordon. Uh, I just look at this team and, like, they need wide receivers. Um, look, I I don't know how you feel about, about Marquise Brown. I think he's fine. Um, some days he will be Hollywood. Some days he'll be, you know, he'll be, what, I don't know, North Hollywood um, it just depends on how you feel. I don't. I think Rashad Bateman is a a good wide receiver option. I just want to see them get a true playmaker, a big time. You know, you have to fear him down the field, sort of wide receiver. That's the one thing I think this offense is missing. I don't know if you know if they feel like they can get that guy at fourteen, but I feel like they need to try and get that guy at fourteen. Yeah, I I, I like Marquise Brown, and I always have. But the thing is, like. I think he's a better number two than number one. Like he he's really good with the ball in his hands. He's a good field stretcher. You get him that on a lot of long balls. But like if it's third and eight and you need that eight nine yard, you know, quick reset like short reception, Marquise Brown isn't that guy. And I think the hope last year was that Rashad Bateman can become that guy. And I think he has the potential to. But yeah, if you could get like a legit number one wide receiver. I, I think that would just push this pass game over the top. Uh, and, and I know this is a little off topic, but how do you feel about the Ravens pass catchers coming into next year? Because my thinking is like, this is a team that is clearly still going to run a lot. And suddenly they have mul- it, it used to just be Andrews and Brown, but now we're adding Bateman and maybe they draft another receiver. And if that happens, I'm kind of like, I'll take Andrews, but then the others, I, I don't feel great about. I don't feel great about him. Um, and I just I feel like we're going to go through another summer of hearing the Ravens say we want to throw the football more. Uh, and for me, until I actually see it, I'm just not buying it. They, they have been telling us this for a long time and it just has never really come to pass. So if we're talking about adding another wide receiver to share targets an already limited target pool uh, from Andrews and Brown and Bateman. Um, I don't love it. So that would probably get me off of any Ravens wide receivers. I'd still, I'm with you. I'd still, still believe in Mark Andrews, but, uh, if they had another wide receiver, I'm, I might be out on that, on that group for Baltimore. It would, it would look good for them. It, it would be good for real football. Not great. Not great for us. Um, all right, last couple, and then we will, uh, we'll shut it down for this week and try to get back to it, uh, in future shows. I guess we only got two more before the draft, but anyway, um, the Dolphins at uh, at 15, uh, they would be there. In real life, it's going to be the Eagles drafting in that spot. But if Miami were on the clock at 15, is this another offensive line pick? Or, or, or would you like to see them maybe take a running back? I know they added Raheem Mostert 
Um, but we know his his injury history has not been particularly good. Maybe that's that's where they go. Maybe not with the first round pick, but maybe at some point in the draft they, they try to add to that backfield a little bit. Yeah, they their backfield feels like a sum of its parts rather than like <laughs> they have a clear cut option. Um, but I I think it's offensive line it, early on at least. Like I get it, they added Armstead, who is the number one player in this free agency class. But they could still use upgrades there, especially since this is such a make-or-break season for Tua. Like, if Tua struggles this year, I think they move on. But you want to give him every chance you can to succeed so you aren't left wondering, like, well, if the offensive line plays better next year. So I, I think you go, you you help bolster up that O-line, and you tell Tua, look, you got plenty of playmakers around you. You have an, a very improved offensive line now. You have an improved play caller. The rest is on you. That has sort of been the consensus, regardless of what happens, is that for two of this, this is kind of it. If it doesn't happen this year, then it's probably just not going to happen. If they go out and they add more offensive pieces, whether it is they, they get some guys to protect him up front, uh, if they add another running back or something, uh, you know, there seem to be very few excuses uh, acceptable coming from Tua. I think that's gonna that's gonna completely go away. So uh, may, maybe they do spend it on the offensive line. I don't think that's a crazy idea for Miami because they, they seem to be generally okay uh, at a lot of the other spots. Uh, all right, last one we will do on this show at number sixteen uh, would be the Colts. That that pick has actually bounced around from for a little while and and currently belongs to the New Orleans Saints, but. Uh, looking at Indy, they got their quarterback in Matt Ryan. I know he's he's nearing the end of his career, but I think he still has something left. Uh, we know they've got a good running back. They've got a good offensive line. Uh, I would say that maybe maybe they get some help for Michael Pittman. Um, I know you know Bucky Brooks referred to building a wide receiver room as sort of like building a basketball team, right? You like to have if you can have a big body guy kind of your guy who can do some of the dirty work, especially near the goal line. Uh, maybe you get some some smaller guys who can kind of be point guards and, and really push the ball down the field. Uh, you get kind of a small forward sort of thing there. I would say that Michael Pittman probably ranks in the small forward category. Uh, maybe they go out and get themselves uh, maybe a Sky Moore, uh, somebody like that. Uh, I, I feel like, but, but I feel like wide receiver is sort of the, the spot they need to focus on because – Beyond Pittman, I don't know that there's anybody else there that I can get really excited about this year. Yeah, I think it has to be wide receiver. I think Sky Moore would be a tremendous fit for them. He could kind of be what they wanted Paris Campbell to be, like that really fast slot guy. And if it ends up being a second-round receiver for them, like Calvin Austin is another guy who who has some speed that I think uh, could be a fit there. But I agree. I think Michael Pittman is a good number one contested catch monster but you need to add some speed here as well. So I, I think that should be the focus. And I'm sorry, Colts fans. Carson Wentz, this pick, this first round pick that you don't have is for Carson Wentz, <laughs> who isn't even on your team anymore. Like that, oh, that has to hurt. <laughs> that does have to hurt, right? Like that, yeah, that's got to be rough. Um, side note, if your name is Sky with two Ys, like you have to be fast, right? Like you just, <laughs> I feel like you automatically have to be fast if your name is Sky with two Ys. Um, Apparently he's got like a, a bunch of swag too. Like I just see people talking him up, like how cool of a dude he is and stuff. Right. So rooting for him. I'm here for it. 
I would uh, I would love to see it. So, uh, all right, that feels that feels like a good place to stop. We got through sixteen teams. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we can get through the other half. Uh, hopefully, we have uh, Matt Okada next week as well. So, again, if anybody uh, who listens to this show has any influence over the LA County court system jury duty selection process. Uh, we kindly ask if you could just push Matt Okada back uh, a week or so. That would be that would be all we ask. That's all. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, all right. In the meantime, celebrity fill in for him. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, get somebody. Just you know, go to the bullpen. Get somebody else to to sit in for for Okada. We'd be we would be grateful if that was the case. All right. In the meantime, uh, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. And we'll talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.